0: Know what time it is. It's time for another episode of the Three in One podcast. Yep. Joining us from Cleveland, Ohio, give it up for international, Ian Lamont Morgan. (laughs) What's happening? And joining us from Cincinnati, that's the Nasty Natty, give it up for Keith Turner Jr.
1: Oh. That was a sick A, you know, I'm not feeling the greatest, but it's still good to be chatting with my brothers. What's up, y'all?
2: Nasty and Natty. Is,
1: hey. I feel like we're about to get
0: a Jordan flu game from Keith today, that's what I feel like. <laughs> right, the flu game, flu game, I'm ready to come through and the play. <laughs> and you already know who it is, it's your boy from the capital city, Columbus, Ohio, Malcolm Morgan, clap for me, thank you. So, full disclosure, We are recording right now on Tuesday evening. The Golden State-Houston game is underway right now, so we probably won't get to talk about it unless something crazy happens. Yes. So make a note of that. We'll make sure to talk about it next week. Um, But let's get started off in the Eastern Conference. Um, The Cavs did what they were supposed to do, won their two games at home, and evened up the series um, against the Boston Celtics. and did it in pretty impressive fashion. Yep. Um, let's let's get right to the reactions. What do you guys see um, as kind of things that have changed this series, and then um, do you think this is going to be sustained um, over the remainder of the series?
2: Cavs and six. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, then another Ian, uh... <laughs> in-depth take from Ian Morgan.
2: <laughs> Put that on your headline. <laughs> and smoke it. Well, wow. no, go ahead. No, nah, I was kidding, man. Um, okay, so I mean, as I anticipated, though, we'd be going back to Boston, tied up two-two. Um, I am on record saying as much, and that I believe that we're also going to take the next two ball games. I mean, I think it just comes down to to, to what's boring, but what is tried and true. The fact that this is a deep playoff-tested core. It's not the exact same roster. we don't have all the veterans we had at the start of the season. Yes, it's different people. But, I mean, when you got a core that is LeBron, that is K-Love, that is Tristan Thompson. Um, uh, even Kyle Corver, you could say, you know, because he was with the squad last year. He's been deep in the playoffs um, as, far, <laughs> as far back as... as you know, I mean, he was even there uh, in Atlanta when uh when we routed them when they won all those games. But I'm just saying that you know what you have on this team is a million playoff games um, versus the you Celtics. Even, you did even talk about George Hill. Yeah, uh, right, right, old man George Hill. Jeff Green has playoff experience, and so um, um, I think just knowing how to play at this point in time and not to not to take anything away from Boston because they were balling. Um, um, the defensive effort is what really turned up. What really made the difference? Not so much in Game Four as in Game Three, uh, but even in Game Four, you saw the Cavs come out. You saw them establish a lead. You saw them, yeah. You know, Boston technically made threats to the lead. Um, um they they did, you know, cut the lead, but they were never really a threat to overtake the Cavs. If you're watching that game, um, if the Cavs don't have uh, three thousand turnovers, which was actually eighteen, but I get it. Uh eighteen turnovers, fifteen assists, um, um for the game. And then, you know, uh just looking at some of the other the other statistics there, that normally spells a double digit loss. Um, but then the Cavs win by double digits. So the Cavs did not play great basketball, but they know how to play um, um, when, the, when the rubber meets the road. And so I think you're just looking at an experienced squad. Of course, LeBron went nuts. Um, but then you just saw the Celtics not have somebody to go to. And I think this is where it makes the difference at this point in the playoffs. Um, this is why I was always saying that stars win in the playoffs because when the chips are down and you need somebody to lead the attack when everybody else is maybe being a little... A little more passive where everybody else goes cold. Uh, Boston just doesn't have that right now.
1: Man, i tell you this much. Uh, I think the Cavs have to win it in six. I don't think they have a choice because uh, I don't see them winning uh, too straight unless we see two games like we've seen the last two games. Um, now, LeBron, of course, with his history, has had some pretty good – uh games especially when they were decisive games in boston um you know especially when he uh, played in miami and all of that um but i think that they have to get it done in six i like what i've seen uh the last two games of course they protected home court um and like i said before they have to win the the three-point Uh, The three-point game, which, of course, game three, they destroyed. I think they shot 50% from from three, uh, game three, in the route. Um, and then game four, they they didn't shoot it uh extremely well, but they still shot it better uh than Boston did. Um and then of course, as we were mentioning, the backcourt. George Hill has really showed some promise. Um yeah, absolutely. Uh, spe- especially game four. He was attacking, he was aggressive, <laughs> he looked confident. Uh mm-hmm. you know, so if if they can get that consistently, that's trouble for Boston. Uh because um Kyle Corver, like he he I think he hit one or two threes. Out of the, you know, out of the few that he took, he didn't make them all. And, and, and of course, Kyle Corver, you know, he's going to hit his shots, you know. Um, so uh, if they can get this backcourt, especially J.R. Smith, oh, my goodness, it could be it could be a nightmare. Um, but what what Cavs team are we going to see in Boston Game 5 is the question. Um, but I think that from what I've seen, I definitely think they have what it takes to, to take two more games in a row. Um, and, and take that series So, uh, but my, my main concern, well not main concern but one of the guys I would like to see step up more so is Jeff Green Jeff Green has been below average at best this whole series, I think he's had six points a game uh, all playoffs Like he just has looked sloppy He, oh, I've hated watching him play, every time he gets put in I'm like okay coach, just take him right back out just take him right back out yeah um, but uh but but yeah so you know I, I'm excited I'm excited to see um, what this team is going to do uh, in Boston uh, and shout out to my man LeBron who of course has just been continuously all playoff long going in uh, that man has has oh goodness it's ridiculous uh, what we've witnessed him do um, so so yeah I think I'm, I'm with the end they have to do it in six so I definitely have him doing it in six. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty confident that they'll close they'll win the next two. Um, I think they've kind of figured out what they need to do to beat this team. Um and even in the last game, they didn't play great the whole way through, but they built up a good lead and really still were able to pretty much control the game. I think there was a point in the fourth quarter when the um Celtics got it down to like six or seven um, and the Cavs were able to string together some stops and some buckets and get the game back under control. And it really, I mean, there really wasn't a point, even when the Celtics got it down that you really felt like they could get back into it. Um, they just felt like really out of the game and the Cavs seemed to really be in control. So LeBron was aggressive. It didn't feel like he had 44 points. It just didn't feel like that kind of game from him. Um, but I like, I like the way, especially in the fourth quarter where he really decided he was going to attack the bucket and, um, when they tried to put Horford or even Marcus Morris on him, um, he just attacked them immediately. Um, and so I think with that, George Hill being a lot more aggressive on both ends of the court is making a huge difference. Um, and I, th- I, th- I think you, you kind of saw it in some of those hustle plays, getting steals, um, you know, diving on the ball. I, the play of the game, I think the play that may be showing the difference in the effort for the Cavs is that loose ball. Uh, Kyle Corver has to Kyle run Corver. basically yeah. in a in a in a full on sprint with Terry Rozier. I think it was Tatum or Brown. I can't remember. And he beat him to the to the ball. And I think we all know if we just lined all three of them up on the baseline, Kyle Corver's not running that, winning that race. But he got it in that in that uh, instance. So that just kind of shows where they are mentally, how they're attacking these games. Um, Larry Nance has been a breath of. Fresh air for the Cavs on both ends of the court, getting steals, hitting the boards, not being afraid to be physical, finishing around the rim, exactly what they needed from him um, when they when they brought him in. Less Jordan Clarkson, which has been great. Um, I've been a big proponent of taking him out of the rotation since since the Toronto series. Um, and I'm glad that they've kind of transitioned him out. And Tristan Thompson had 13 points and 12 rebounds last night. Um, on a night when Kevin Love only had nine points So that's huge when you get that from Tristan Who normally doesn't give you that kind of offensive outburst You got 13 from George Hill um, And then you got 14 from Kyle Korver To go with the 44 from LeBron um, All of that is the recipe for a Cavs win And I, I fully expect them to win the next two games um, and, uh, and wrap this series up in the next couple games
1: I will say one thing for sure that Cleveland has to turn up. I think they had 18 turnovers, and seven of which came from LeBron, six of which came from Kevin Love. You know, that that will not get the – if you have 18 turnovers in Boston, that will not get the job done. Uh, Promise you. Um, Unless LeBron has some miraculous type of game again and they have this huge lead again. But 18 turnovers in Boston where historically role players and all played better at home. Uh, will mm-hmm. not get will not get it done uh, in Boston. So they definitely need to clean that up for sure. Yeah, uh,
2: I just want Malcolm to throw some respect on my man Jordan Clarkson's name. Um, yeah. Uh, no,
0: I refuse. I refuse to put any respect on his name. Okay, no, no, no.
2: So. Here, here, okay, so hear me out. Hear me out. I I think you know we all agree it was um, and Malcolm like you know we shared some of the same viewpoints from Game Four. Um, and that was it. Was good to see them hold on to that and close that game out um, like a championship caliber team should. Uh, another thing about Larry Nance, it was a uh, no, shout out to Ty Lue. Um, got to give him, got to give credit credit where it's due. I mm-hmm. think he coached that team to a win in Game Four. Um, He may not have done a perfect job, but he did, you know, make some adjustments. He made some moves and some in some key moments. There was a sequence uh, when Boston started intentionally following Tristan and we knew they were about to do that. He, you know, Tristan had been hitting his uh, hitting free throws, but I think the team was missing um, and we had missed something like three out of four free throws. So he, he put Larry Nance in. Larry as he draws fouls on back-to-back plays and sinks all four free throws. Stuff like that. Um, In addition to, you know, I mean, you got your home crowd cheering when Terry Rozier misses free throws after a questionable call. You got, you know, uh, the electricity that went in the building on that Kyle Corver play you mentioned. So, I mean, you got all that stuff there. I still would rather see Game 3 Cavs in Boston than Game 4 Cavs. Yes, I think we all would want that. Keith talked about the turnovers, um, you know, from K Love and from LeBron. You know, there were some times, some key times when LeBron went back into ISO. I dribbled for twenty one seconds of the clock and then I got a shot that, that I mean it wasn't it wasn't a high percentage shot and so I think they, they still gotta I hope that they're hanging their hat on what happened in game three and disappointed. Um, I hope they, they we see an angry team that they did not replicate what game three was and um, um, come out of game four. But Jordan Clarkson had nine points in that game three win. I believe that they will need they need they're gonna need somebody who could just come in and get buckets at some point. I'd love to see Tai know how to use him, run some plays for him, run some screens and stuff just like he does maybe for Kyle Corver because I think Jordan is a weapon if you know how to use him. But uh shout out to my man J- uh Jay Clarkson, man.
0: That's that's the only shout out he's getting on this on this here show. <laughs> um so <laughs> let's talk a little head coaching news. Um Mike Bootnozer um is hired as the head coach in Milwaukee. What kind of impact do you think he can have there on the growth of that team and specifically on the growth of Giannis? Um, I'm, I'm actually really high on this hire. Um, comes from that Spurs coaching tree, and we saw what he did with the Atlanta team uh, before they kind of blew up and, and broke up that team. Um, really had a solid system that maximized the talent of his players. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to those teams. There's nobody on that team that's as good as Giannis. Um, so I, I really think he could be a good coach for him, giving him that structure, creating a system that's going to maximize his best years and the talents of those around him. But what do you guys think about the hire? What kind of impact do you think he'll have on that team? I don't have a lot
2: for. I mean, yay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'll have a. I'll have a strong reaction to it. Yeah, um that that that, that Spurs coaching tree, that Popovich tree, it's just interesting when I look at it. You know, you see some of the guys over time that have come out of that. Um um your PJ Carlissimos, your Mike Brown's, uh Budenholzer, I'm I'm forgetting somebody else who
0: more recently Brett Brown.
2: Brett yeah, Brown Yeah, 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 yeah. And am and I asked you, aside from Brett Brown, who I, I the jury's still out on him and how much of an impact he's really had in Philly, because remember he didn't it, the, the coaching wasn't strong in that series versus Boston, um, but I mean I, I how many of those 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 coaches that I just named how many of them have really developed players when they got their own coaching call? Mike Brown didn't
0: develop anybody in Cleveland. Or L.A. Uh, he developed LeBron. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Steve Nash. None of these. None of these names are ringing any bells. Oh God. Anthony uh, Bennett.
2: Yeah, probably, Kyrie. Early Kyrie Irving. He, he developed Anthony Bennett into a barista at your local Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, so I mean, I, I love I love the fact that we we have a respect for Pop and the guys that come from that program and the gals. Shout out to Becky Hammond. Hopefully, she lands something. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have hope for Giannis or Chris Middleton or Jabari and things like that. Now, the system that he he input input in uh, Atlanta, um, it definitely had them win more games. I think it played to the strengths of some of those guys, but it wasn't sustainable in the postseason, And that's another thing that you see from those coaches that we named. So I don't know. I mean, it's cool. They got a, they got a new coach. That's great. I would have rather seen somebody um, 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 with a little bit more coaching pedigree. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. I, I I echo a lot of those sentiments, honestly. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, of course, he won coach of the year back in 2015. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, he as an assistant, I think he won four championships. Yeah. Yeah. Four. So, I mean, he he understands the game and, I, uh, you know, he understands. I think he has a good basketball IQ. I just I can't tell yet with. Uh, you know, I think it's it's difficult um, to take a job like Milwaukee with a star like Giannis and all, because I think it 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 has a lot of pressure that that comes with it. Uh, you have to come in, and they're looking for you to get some get some things done so you can win win games. Uh, especially this team already made the playoffs this year, so you know um, I'm guessing that the next that the milestone for them next year will be you know getting the second or third round. So there's some there's some pressure that comes with that. I think. Um, I think he'll be decent. I, I do think some, some other candidates probably I would have liked to see as well. Um, but we'll see. I think, I think, uh, the jury's out on this one, honestly. Uh, that's all I can say. Um, I wasn't crazy about it, but I also didn't like hate it either. So, uh, I think he'll do okay, but you know, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Man, no, no love for Coach Bud. I think, I think he's not gonna, necessarily I think no y'all...
1: love. It's no, just, it's no just love. we're not. Well, there, I'm not uh, saying no they, love.
0: Thank you for being honest, <laughs> Ian. <laughs>
1: I'm not saying no love at all. I'm just saying the jury's out. You know, um, I can't say that I loved it, and I can't say that I didn't like it. You know, would I prefer to see someone else? Potentially, yeah, but I can't say no love. <laughs>
2: Uh, it's not even a jury trial for me. It's just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we just, this is pre-trial motions. I don't even know if we could get to the <laughs> jury part. I just, no confidence, man. I, I I personally wanted to see one of the Van Gundys in there.
0: Oh um, God. I, you talk I, about coaches. I'm <laughs> over. I'm definitely over Stan. Yeah. I get it.
2: But, I mean, Stan, just the coach, is different than Stan and the president of basketball operations. I hope we see that trend die. I want it to die a very, very, very deep and faithful death. I want it to die and never recover of giving these coaches, you know, president of basketball operations because they're supposed to have more control and more say-so in the, in the staff or in the roster. And it, it, it I cannot name one situation where it's worked out. I don't know one championship Pop coach who, Pop Yeah pop. But RC Buford <laughs> is, is I mean that, that relationship there is just is, is different It's different And Yeah I'm, God I'm so tired of that But Yeah even Jeff Even Jeff Van Gundy I, I You know <laughs> I think him and Luttrell's free Could have uh, Jumped on that coaching staff but Man Amazing things happen Luttrell would have had the boys balling They'd have been choking mm. out Jeff and
1: timeouts, you no, know. when look, they did get the uh, play calls. Latrell,
0: Latrell didn't need to be coaching anybody on anything. He just yeah, needs man. to. chill. I honestly, so, I honestly
1: would have liked to see Frank Vogel there. Honestly, um, you a, really, I, this is this is I, like the second time you've mentioned Frank Vogel. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I think I think that he has, um, especially when you look at that Indiana team that he coached, like. You know, of course, Giannis is, is not the same as coaching uh, 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 Roy Hibbard and David West, you know. But he understands systems and how to, you know, um, have players believe in a system. Now, of course, he wasn't the greatest at his last stint. However, I just think, you know, that's a team with some promise. And I think when you see Frank Vogel with a team that has promise, hmm. like Indiana has and all, he, he coached pretty well. So that's who I would have liked to see him get that job. Um, but who knows? Maybe— Coach Bud will do a little bit better, but that would have been my pick, honestly. But who, what do I know? You know what do I know?
0: Frank, that's a that's a tough sell for me. Frank Vogel.
1: Oh, um, oh it's, it's not very tough for me because I remember, my goodness, when I was you know rooting for the Heat. You know, LeBron was there, and just Indiana given the given the the Heat all types of trouble because uh, Vogel knew how to coach that team. Uh, they just at the end of the day didn't have enough. They didn't have that one more player. But, uh, gosh, it was a nightmare. I'm just like, gosh, this guy knows how to put his team together. So that's just me, though. That's just me.
0: Yeah, I think that one's just you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's spend a little bit of time talking about they announced the NBA Award finalists, I believe, last week. But we're not going to talk about the Top Line Awards, which some of them we've already debated. I'm going to move a little bit down the list. Uh, Defensive player of the year nom- uh, finalists Anthony Davis from the Pelicans, Joel Embiid from the 76ers, Rudy Gobert from the Jazz. Uh, where are you guys leaning on this one?
1: Where are we leaning? Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> ah, that's tough.
2: Um, Not for me, AD. I mean, I mean. Wow. Listen, Joel did, did a lot of good things this year. Um, I mean, but he wasn't, he wasn't Mutumbo down there. He he established yeah, himself as a center yeah. that is formidable that you're going to have to think before you go to the rack, for, before you go to the rack. But uh, I think the combination of what AD can do and quickness and, and being, he is an, an effective perimeter defensive player he's not a lockdown Kawhi Leonard guy out there but KD's not lost and at his size, you know, the way he covers, you know, even guards when they step out there, that's important. I'm still seeing a, I'm still seeing Anthony Davis swap guard shooting jumpers. Like seeing seeing him face up and seeing him recover and have I mean of course the length has a lot to do with it, but you know, even just the foot speed and the defensive wherewithal to keep up with some of these guards and, and the way that they're pulling up, you know, I still think that's impressive. Um, of course going inside, um, and not even just, you know, in the block game, but you know, he, he still um man, I I just had his steals here, but I think all around he's 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 a worthwhile defensive player, um, somebody that I would I would give the nod to um over the other two. No sh- no no shade to them. Rudy Gobert, I just maybe I'm tainted by that playoff, um, by the playoffs. I can admit that. Can I admit my bias?
0: Rudy yes, Gobert please was, do. He, Rudy,
2: Rudy Gobert was awful in the playoffs, um,
0: and so voting he, stopped for this in April. You said what? I said voting for this award stopped in April. That's true. Again, I'm I'm admitting my
2: irrelevant bias, but uh yeah no I, I just don't appreciate the fact that he was big for nothing in the playoffs so uh um yeah i'm gonna just go ahead and factor in that unfactor um reference but no ad i
0: think is deserving you saying it like he's not malcolm i don't i don't think he's i mean ad had a great season but uh, to me rudy gobert's defensive player of the year um mm. Their their whole season changed when he came back and got healthy. That that was a big reason why the Utah Jazz went on that run. Um, right around the all star break. Um, and the way he can control the paint and force defenses to kind of change their their offense, um, I think is what kind of separates him from the other ones. And the Utah Jazz I think have the best the best defense of this group, I believe. Philly may be close, but I mean the Jazz were just just suffocating on defense and Rudy Gobert is the key to that because you have that guy in the back who's communicating who's calling out all the plays and who can clean up any mistakes that you do make um the, the the edge where I give Anthony Davis is that switchability he's a little bit better on the perimeter on the on the pick and roll Joel although he does have a great impact on the defensive I just don't I don't feel like I didn't see enough to for me to make him defensive player of the year. Um, once again, he has a good impact, but um, I think Rudy is just the is is kind of the linchpin to that team, and he showed it uh, when he came back. Which
1: what's, what's your thoughts, Keith? Uh, I mean, I do give the the edge to AD. Um, I agree with Ian that, you know, his versatility defensively just makes him a nightmare. Uh, especially with his length. Um, now and, and then of course, uh, Anthony Davis out rebounded Gobert uh, defensively as well, which, you know, is 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 key. Um, I would I would go Gobert over over Joel Embiid for sure. Um, but I do give that slant to A D. Um, I think his presence is more of a nightmare than Gobert's is for for opposing teams. Now, I do agree with you, on, Malcolm. On Matt. defense? You said what? On defense? I, I said do. On defense? I do. Um I do just because okay. of how how long and how athletic and versatile he is. Um coming out to I think you to, guys I think you guys are kind of caught up in the name. I don't think so. Nah. No.
2: I mean more more blocks per game, double the steals. <laughs> And I mean better than numbers. Now that that that's just numbers. In addition to that, I I can no 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 Rudy Rudy did some. I'm I'm not saying. And I I definitely Michael, you bring up a good point. You, you're gonna catch more Pelicans games than Utah as well. So the exposure. Um, now of course NBA guys, the ones that's actually voting on this, yeah, they they should have seen equal amounts. But I mean, to the viewing public, you know, Utah is not seen and seen in the same public eye as New Orleans just because of AD being there. So that's that that should be factored into the fan eye test as well. But um, I saw AD being just as disruptive, you know, in the times when I did see him. I mean, he's in passing lanes. And he's also down low, stripping guys, things like that. I mean, one-on-one ball defense as well as um, um, the team defense, you know. Being actually there on that back line, being the help defender, you know, just just actually protecting the rim. Like, when you see somebody playing so many different facets of, you know, of of great defense, you know, I I don't think he's not deserving. So, nah, I don't think his name, I don't think his name. I mean, shout-out to Rudy. He tall and stuff. Uh, he's yeah. tall and
0: stuff <laughs> interesting debate all right um let me see man let's let's go uh, most improved player three finalists Clint Capella, Spencer Dinwiddie, Victor Oladipo uh
1: what do you, what do you guys think i think it's Oladipo hands down like i mean the, i don't mm. think there's there's much to say to me I think it's Oladipo for sure. I mean, the way, I mean, if you just cancel out now, of course, granted, I can't say this because, you know, voting stopped in April, but the way that this man played when the, when the stage was brightest, especially in the playoffs uh, was incredible. Now that being said, um, I think that he single-handedly gave the Pacers something to look forward to because without Oladipo, that team is garbage, absolute garbage. Um, and uh, I think that he, you know, bought in. Uh, he was not afraid of the big moments. Uh, I mean, he took it to LeBron. To whoever may have, you know, stood in front of him, that guy was fearless, and I really enjoy, of, of course, being a LeBron fan, I hated seeing how he was just continuously giving uh, the Cavs buckets. However, he's a fun player to watch, um, and I think that he's definitely the most improved. I, I didn't see Victor as someone who could literally carry a team the way he kind of did with Indiana. I think there are a few players uh, away from really, really being special. Um, So I I give it to Victor Oladipo for sure. But, of course, with the bias because of what I've seen from the playoffs, because I didn't see a whole lot of him in the regular season. Um, But what i just seen coming down the stretch and in the playoffs was nothing short of incredible.
2: Yeah, I think some of this, you, you know, you might give a little bit to the public eye thing once again, but nah. I uh, first I want to give a shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie. The fact that you even made a name for yourself and people are familiar with you on that awful team, that is the Brooklyn Nets, is an accomplishment. So he should get a participation award.
0: <laughs> what was
2: the joints that they give out at the uh, at the science fair? Was it? Um, yeah, previous. yeah, I forgot which mm-hmm. one was what they said. It wasn't honorable mention, but it was something. He should get one of those. Uh, Clint Capella, I think he went from somebody who I don't want to say was a nobody, but he went from a low usage but maybe an impact guy to somebody who was a regular, uh, I mean, a, a rotation player, a starter, you know, focal point in the offense, and that's cool. But, yeah, like he said, you know, um, um, Victor Oladipo went from a guy in OKC that everybody was talking about struggling playing with Russ. Um, And I think you look at the struggles OKC had and how that highlighted that a lot of that probably wasn't Vic. And Hmm. then he goes to Indiana, um, breathes new life into that franchise and goes from, you know, key piece to star. Uh, uh, you know all-star even and so yeah i think you got to give him the nod as as far as you know kind of take he took the team to the next level and uh, that he did that he did he he deserves recognition for that
0: absolutely i agree victor Lodipo proves once again that he should have been picked first by the Cavs in that draft instead of Uh the great anthony bennett Think of think of where this team would be. Anyway, let's not do that. Um, he's, yeah, he's,
2: he's killing as a barista though. Like, don't don't sleep on don't sleep on the caramel macchiato from Anthony Bennett. He's, he's out here
0: with, with the wrist, boy. This whole time that you have been talking, I've been trying to build an argument for the other two people, and it just was not happening. So no, you, you just can't. I, <laughs> I couldn't even. I couldn't even. Like I was just going to be a contrarian and say, "Well, Spencer Dinwiddie," and the, it just didn't. It wasn't going to happen. I could I had no conviction. So I was trying uh. to mention them just
2: just to be fair. I mean, I don't know.
0: <laughs> so yeah, shout out to Capella and Dinwiddie. Both improved, especially Dinwiddie. He he balled in uh, in Brooklyn. I don't know if he has a future there or if this is even sustainable but he he balled in Brooklyn as as much as you can ball on that terrible team. Um so uh we we're, we're going to move into a little bit of football. We're going to talk about the return. Get your get your uh, money signs ready. Oh, uh, shoot. Johnny football is coming to Canada oh. to play in the CFL. You guys do we care? Are we going to watch some CFL games to see if Johnny football still got it?
1: I, I think Maybe just, a... I think I think I will honestly just to see you know like, Johnny football is good entertainment to watch. So I feel like uh, I would be more interested. Like he's the only reason why I would turn on any CFL game unless Colin Kaepernick <laughs> were to get signed. But you know that's another that's another uh, uh, conversation because he should be in the NFL. But anyways, uh, I would, um, I think I would turn on a few games just to see what he's doing. Honestly, that's about it. Honestly, I can't even lie.
2: Yo, I think I think the country, not the country. I was about to give him way too much credit. I, I do think that
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do think that people are waiting to see. Um, everybody wants a redemption story. Um, Johnny Johnny Manziel in college, my God, um, dude was a lightning rod, and for good reason. He was must see TV, and people want that back um they want to see a redemption story where he gets back uh into the nfl and and i i would not i would not hate to see it as long as cap has a job first um but but you know uh so yeah I, i'm definitely i I will be watching they will they will get my my viewer my views, they will, they will definitely get uh, some online clicks from me because I want to see him, you know, set the demons aside and get back to playing, to being an incredible talent, man, because, you know, there wasn't very many people who
0: were able to do what he was doing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see him play. He's, he's one of those guys <laughs> that that he's... When you see him play, he plays with so much energy and just that the way he scrambles and buys time. He's, he's the guy, kind of guy that you want to watch play football. Yeah, um, all of the rest of the stuff aside, um, I was looking at the roster of the team he's on. Um, he's he's not going to be the starter. Um, they've got, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this name, Vernon Adams Jr., oh. Um, oh. who played at Eastern Washington and then transferred to Oregon. Um Looks like he's going to be their starter this year, but um, I I wouldn't be surprised to see see Johnny get on the field and um, hopefully he can he can do some things. I mean he, I don't think he deserved an NFL shot just because he had done nothing at the pro level to prove that he deserved it, especially over somebody like Kaepernick, who Keith so eloquently brought up in this conversation. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I don't, but you know Canada's a great place to show show off your skills and. Uh, and uh, if if he if he can sh- prove it at that level, maybe he'll get another shot. But I'm excited about it. Might tune into some games to see if he uh, gets any run. And I'm sure ESPN will have everybody and their mom in Canada uh, <laughs> uh, getting every second of every interview they can with that guy. So yeah, man. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. What's what's
2: the guy's name again? the, the, the quarter the, the starter? Vernon.
0: Adams. Oh, uh, Vern, Vernon Adams Jr.
1: Yeah. Hey
2: Vernon, Vernon. Hey man, Brian Hoyer's the backup in uh, New England, man. Y'all link up, you know. Y'all get together. <laughs> y'all get together, have some drinks, cause
0: you about to get Hoyered, bro. Oh man, you, are you are you talking about former Cleveland Browns great Brian Hoyer? <laughs> I am talking about Hall of Fame Cleveland
2: Brown. First ballot <laughs> He's he's going to cat. And, nah man, Brian Howard <laughs> would have been great But uh, yeah, it won't be long before Johnny Manziel is the face
0: of the CFL <laughs> He might be the face of the CFL right now um, Alright, last thing we're going to talk about The NFL owners uh, met today uh, They're going to continue meeting on Wednesday With a possible resolution To the anthem protests That have been going on around the league <laughs> Here's some penalties that were discussed. Um, Allow each team to implement its own policy. Another option was clear the field of all football personnel while the anthem is played. Instruct players who don't want to stand to remain in the locker room while the anthem is played. Impose penalties on teams and players who do not stand, including a 15-yard penalty and or fines. Add contract language that requires players to stand or leave the current policy in place. So I think we've been pretty clear about where we stand on this issue, but I'm interested to hear what direction do you think that the NFL owners are going to go? Um, and, you know, I, I kind of read through this this article um, about it, and even Jerry Jones says he's not sure, and he was one of the ones that said he'd find and suspend players that, that kneeled during the anthem. He's He even had some trepidation about what uh, the NFL could actually do. Um, in these cases, so I'm interested to see where do you guys, what direction do you guys see the NFL owners going with this? Um, yeah, so give me, give me your thoughts.
1: Um, honestly, what I'm worried about is that they're going to come up with some type of something that uh, will requires players that will require players to stand, um, because at the end of the day, um, I think that. There is a lot of people uh, and a lot of fans. Because Jerry Jones said, oh, well, it's all about the fans. And if they're trying to please fans, there's a lot of people offended uh, that people do not, uh, you know, stand for the anthem. And so, and then I even thought about it. Like, okay, so what happens if... what happens if they allow some players to just stay behind? There's going to be reports and news stories about who all stays back in the back before, before the game starts. And then there's going to be a whole debacle about that whole piece. Um, so that's – I honestly see that happening. Um, I think what where that's dangerous is that it really takes away from someone having their own mind and having their own thoughts and you know standing for what they believe. Uh, that's the that is the scary part. However, the NFL is an organization, and if you want to play in that league, just like. Uh, Josh Gordon should know you have to follow the rules. Uh, So that means you have to stay off the weed. Um, So, you know, they (laughs) could they could implement something like that, which I would hate. And I would really honestly I would struggle watching, even though I love football so much. I would struggle with the fact that they're making players stand for something that they don't believe is true. Uh, But I could see that, honestly.
2: Um, I will say, again, we're talking about if I'm an owner. What am I going to do? Uh, you're looking at a league that as of 2014 was 68% African-American. That's That number might be even more lopsided right now. If I'm an owner, and like Malcolm said, if if I have, because um, I mean, everything was really reactive to the fans, you know, um, yeah. you, you had owners who... You know, are on on record saying saying on you know, some understanding things, and then when there's backlash, they backpedal. Um, you know, there's all it was a whole whole mess of things. As more guys started mm-hmm. protesting, so if I'm an owner, I'm going the route of clear the field of all football personnel. Oh yeah, while, for sure. While the while the anthem's going on, that way, just being straight up, I can appease the fans because you know these owners' fans are dumb anyway. Um, it's out of sight, out of mind If I don't see players, I'm not thinking about which players are protesting So, I would go that route And then that way, I, I as an owner can still I can still appeal to to the black talent And And as I'm out here trying to get, you know Trying to build my team from the black talent pool That is there, that is, you know NFL is a predominantly black league right now um, you know, I, can, I as an owner can say, "Oh yeah, you know, we don't have a problem with you having your own, you know, political stance or your own X or Y Because then I don't have to police what you believe in, right? So, uh,
1: and and I, and I agree. I would love if they did that, but I think what Malcolm was saying was, "What what could I, What could we see them doing? I could see them trying to pass some type of rule now that you know everyone must stand or something like that. I could see it." That's something that I would hope, though, Ian, is that they would still give them an opportunity to exercise their beliefs. But, of course, like, like I said, it is the NFL, and they're going to do whatever they think is going to make fans the happiest. Uh, so I could see it, unfortunately. Malcolm. If they,
2: if they want that smoke, I, you know, I can see them doing that. But I'm just saying, for the sake of a less controversial route yeah. and – so that more owners can seem more race friendly or race tolerant or, you know, um, um, man, I'm trying to say something other than not racist, but uh, Just it's, 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 it's hard, it's hard to, but I mean, if I'm a rich white guy and I want a black guy to think that I don't have a problem with his race, I'm going to set myself up to where I don't have to address the things that are going on or I, I can take the attention off of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, man, this is this is tough. I'm trying to separate what I want and what I think they're gonna do. Right, I think they're right. gonna leave it up. I think I think they're gonna leave it up to the teams to decide what they're gonna do on their own. Um, I don't see I don't see where they're gonna get enough support either way to do anything too far to the right or too far to the left. Um, and at the end of the day, I think the owners are gonna, at a minimum, what the autonomy to do what they want to do with their players. Um. Now the ripple effect of that is going to be if teams are allowed to do their own policies, then you know we may see an owner like um, Bob McNair in Houston be a lot more punitive and suspend or fine players money, and then that's going to affect their relationships with free agents and players that um, potentially might want to go play there. Um, um, and really, I think that may do the best job of kind of exposing some of these owners. <laughs> And kind of showing where they really stand on the issue, because um, I think a lot of these some some of these fan bases I think what rally around um, what rally around owners being harsher, and then some of the fan bases I don't think I don't think it matters that much to them. Um, but yeah, I just don't see anything that I don't I don't see them pushing it all the way because if I think they push it too far, then the players are going to push back somehow. They're going to find a way to push back, um, as we saw last year when Donald Trump came out in Spoke out against players and sure. it was pretty much unanimous the way that players and even some owners came back and pushed back at the president, even if they agreed with them because they were coming for fellow players and fellow colleagues. So, um, man, I, I, I think it's going to be left up to each individual team and then we're going to see some really weird <laughs> responses to potential protests moving forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I think you're right, uh, uh, Malcolm. That it will truly expose the hearts and the mentalities of some of these owners if they go that route, which could be a great yeah. thing. Um, you know, uh, Donald Sterling needed to come to the light. You know. Uh, and
0: uh, they, first of all, he didn't come to the light. They drug him <laughs> into the light. Wait, so His again, girlfriend drug him as he didn't come to the light. His girlfriend drug him into the light. Right.
1: Well, Right. Right.
0: I mean, regardless of how it
1: happened, you know, it came to the light. Um, so so that's that's, you know, that's that's one thing. And I would love to see that because then we'll really see, you know, just like. I would rather you tell me how you feel versus then, you know, you hiding it and and, and all this and, you know, pretending that you actually, you know, care or whatever. Like, I'd rather know. But some of these guys, you know, they're they're secret closet racists. And for some of them, I think this will now be a true, you know, um, revealing of, you know, where some people stand. So I would love to see that. I would. I honestly would. I just think those in the closet want to stay in the closet.
2: And the best way, the best way to do that, you know, just looking at these options. If I'm, if I'm them, and yeah, there's there's some other ways to do it. There's some other things here. There's some possibilities. I'm just saying, if I want to, if if I wanted to maintain my stance and my beliefs, and like you said, a lot of them have a slave master mentality, or they think of their, their guys as property. You know, I would go the route of you know spinning the situation. It's a PR thing. So hold the teams off the field, make the national anthem a big hashtag America. I mean, it's just one of them, one of those big moments where everybody gets to cheer and go crazy for America, and then you just flip the whole thing and have the have the steam and pyrotechnics as the team runs on the field after that. You know, I mean, it, it could become you know a whole thing. Then they play into the spectacle of really you know honoring America and. Then the players come on the field, but I I don't I don't I don't foresee anything that is going to help to expose, you know, the the actual intent or the actual feelings of any of these owners. I mean, you know, some other stuffs come up. You know, I know it's not Goodell centric, but he works for the owners. That he does. He, that he does. So, so then I, I don't think they're gonna push to anything too hard. That's going to say, hey. You know, this will just put you in the in the circumstance where uh, you get just you get to decide how racist you you're gonna show yourself to be.
0: Yeah. So, I mean this this debate. Well, I think we're gonna see this debate continue throughout the rest of the preseason and the off season. Um, maybe they'll come to a resolution this week. We'll see. But the debate continues. Um, So, yeah, we want to hear what you guys think. What do you think the NFL will do? Not what should they do, but what will they do about the anthem protests um, that have been going around in the NFL? Let us know on social media, at 3in1podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also email us uh, at 3in1podcast at urbanartsdigital.com. So, we've almost reached the end of the show, but we are about to end with probably your favorite part, our parting words. And today we're going to start with
1: Keith. Keith, give us your parting words. Man, I, I'm sorry, fellas. It is, it is 42 seconds left. I'm praying that the Rockets can pull this game out. Um, gosh, you know, uh, I really I hate watching the Warriors play so much. So I'm just hoping that the Rockets can pull this out and take it back to Houston uh, 2-2. I'm sorry to spoil anything. I just had to. I had to go there. Sorry, fellas. Find out on the next episode.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything, Ian. Your parting words,
2: <laughs> you know what? Turn the lights down, though. Turn the music down. I just want to have a no, no, no. I really wanted to take a second. Uh, you know, we've been keeping everybody up to date, all our three in one supporters out there. Um, you know, we are here about to have a baby and everything like that. Hey. Um, But as we draw closer, man, I just want to shout out Levi. You're not here yet, but uh, you're in my thoughts. And my other son, Josiah, you know, just, I mean, he's so in sports. Uh, Man, Malcolm, we talked about it. Like, we got to have a mom. He just knows players by jerseys, like, by jersey numbers. It's dope. So I can't wait to sit up with my boys, be watching football, you know, on the Sunday after church, stuff like that. So, just shouting out uh, the fact that I'm ready for my son to be here. I'm excited. Um, I'm over the nervous curve, and I'm ready to be in the hospital room. You don't look. I'm. I, I will be looking at my wife in the eye and just ch- cheering her on. But those of <laughs> you, those of you that do that do other things, you are, you are crazy
1: people. But yeah, shout out to Levi. <laughs> man, that was that was touching, man. That was great. That was great. Wow, thank you, Keith. I shed a tear. Hey, man. We're My
0: gonna goodness. have a little a little international here soon. Um, yeah. I'm going to actually uh, similar shout out to last last week. I uh, got to watch <laughs> some WBA basketball um, in our break between series um, over the weekend and. Uh, Man, those 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 girls could really ball. Got to see the Phoenix Mercury, Diana Taurasi, uh, Brittany Griner, um, D- Diana. Shout out to Diana Taurasi, who you know arguably could be the greatest WNBA player we've ever seen. Um, her college career, her WNBA career, it's it's just been phenomenal. So shout out to yeah, those man. ladies, at the WNBA, doing your thing. Um, NBA season will be wrapping up soon. Everybody. If you have never seen or been to a WNBA game, I encourage you to watch it. There's some of the best basketball players on the planet playing in that league. Um, and you won't be disappointed by the product. So shout out to the ladies of the WNBA. Hey, shout out to y'all. Sir. And that is it. And as we close, the Houston Rockets just defeated the Golden State Warriors to take Bro, back Malcolm, the Western conference me? finals. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. That's my revenge, because we weren't supposed to talk about it while it was happening, Keith, and you talked about it anyway. Hey, man. Hey, so that's I, what you
1: get. Hey, I couldn't I couldn't help it, man. I couldn't help it. Oh, Could not help it.
0: Had, Shoot. Just to let y'all know, we had one rule in this podcast today is that we weren't gonna talk about the game and then Keith blows it all out of the water. He almost Sorry. made it.
1: So I, <laughs> almost made it. I know I'm sorry y'all I couldn't I couldn't take it literally y'all should have seen me I was you know I was trying to pay attention as I as we were chatting and all and I was just like over here just like oh <gasps> you know like man but I'm, I'm very excited for the Rockets to win this game let's go yeah so I'm sure we'll talk about that next week thank you guys
0: for listening to the three in one podcast from Cleveland Ohio International Ian Lamont Morgan Right, thank you and from the nasty natty the uh, spoiler alert Keith yes. Turner Jr God bless you all I bid you a good <laughs> evening and you already know who it is it's your boy from the Columbus, from the capital city Columbus Ohio Malcolm Morgan this has been another episode of the 3 in 1 podcast we'll see you guys next time peace, peace. peace.